Hello and welcome to the Rev It Up Podcast, helping entrepreneurs fill up their tanks, crank up the RPMs, and put the pedal to the metal until they cross that finish line. Hello, I'm Jess Tiffany. Ready, set, go. Thank you, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Rev It Up Podcast. I'm super excited to have a wonderful guest here out of the construction industry. Uh, Larry Silver uh, is a construction specialist, a strategic planner, VP business development expert, and executive recruiter all wrapped into one. And I want to welcome you, Larry, to the show. Thank you, Jess. I appreciate being here. Looking forward to it. Fantastic. And, uh, before we get too far in, um, if you wouldn't mind telling people where they can find you online and, uh, and, and how to track you down. Yeah, my website is uh, www.contractormarketing.com. And I use my personal email, Larry at brotherlarry.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. I've got about uh, 8,200 connections, primarily in construction. And I've got uh, just about 50 recommendations so people can read about how my clients feel about me and how I've helped them. And I think, you know, it's better to let somebody else speak well of you than to try to boast yourself. So LinkedIn is probably my primary uh, place where I hang my hat right now. Awesome. Same with me, but I I don't think I have 50 yet. I'll have to catch up here. So uh... (laughs) no worries far as recommendations but uh yeah i know that's fantastic and so um larry if you could tell us a little bit about your um kind of how you got to where you are kind of your you know your beginnings and then kind of where you're at now well i started 25 years ago i had had about eight years in the construction industry at that point i graduated new york university with a marketing degree and little did i know i was going to end up in construction you know, kind of a dirty, antiquated, slow to change, slow to adopt industry. So even though I thought that I was average at marketing, uh, I was in the construction industry, which made me above average. (laughs) You know, if I worked for Procter & Gamble, I would have been average and also ran. But uh, because my industry is kind of behind the curve in business, uh, there's a lot of issues with construction and products and services we're just behind a little bit and we're slow to adopt technology. So I've been blessed. I've had four national magazines, primarily in marketing, business development and human resource topics. I've had a company, a division of my company has had as many as 10 full-time recruiters working for me. We primarily recruited business developers and estimators, but we did some other operational positions. So I've also taught a lot of national seminars. I started a business development trade group for contractors back in 1999. I was executive director for six years and then I sold it to a management company. So I've done a lot of things nationally. I didn't have a lot of gray hair. So I had to kind of figure out how to get some credibility and some authority. And if you you run and you publish a magazine, if you run a national trade group, Uh, I've written in many national magazines. Uh, It gives you a little credibility. And so I I realized that a lot of the questions that my clients had were strategic in nature. So when I would try to help them with marketing and business development, I would ask a plethora of questions about how much they wanted to grow and this and that. And I couldn't get answers from them. And they're like, we really haven't thought about that. And I'm like, how am I going to help? with marketing and business development, if they don't even know strategically 
what their vision is and where they want to go. Because for me, Jess, business development is like having a gun that's loaded. It'll do some damage, but where are you going to point it? You could be pointing it up in the sky where it's not going to do any damage. So you could waste more money in marketing, sales, and business development than any other activity. And construction is no different. They don't know how to point the gun properly. So I became a strategic planner and asked all these questions and took them through a process. And one of the areas that always came up was they were struggling with marketing and business development. They love getting a project and, and acting like an engineer or digging a hole in the ground and sticking a building in it. They love that. They love the operational part, the technical part, but they weren't good at the business uh, side, the professional side. So I've been able to help some companies grow over time. I've got some good stories about that, which we can share. And it's really just doing the right things at the right time with the limited time and resources that you have. That's what it comes out to strategically. Okay. Yeah. Well, now, if, if you were talking to a new construction company or maybe a few years old, and uh, they're really have struggling with this business development, what are a few of the questions you would kind of, you know, get them to answer? And where would you take it from there? Okay, the first thing I would find out is what is their vision? You're, you're in the woods, you're lost. You don't know where you, you kind of know where you're going, but you don't really know where you are. The best way to acclimate yourself and figure out where you're at it, it, when it gets dark is to find the North Star. Because then if you know the general direction of where you're going, you say, all right, there's the North Star. So if we're going to go south, we need to go this way. And at least you know where you are and you know where you're going. And now the North Star acts like your vision. It's kind of far off, but it keeps you steady every day doing the right things. Okay. So the vision is the North Star. And I asked the company, what do you want to do long term, 20, 30 years from now? What is your vision? So usually that's in the mind of the CEO but it's not written on paper yet. And I tell my clients, what if this hard drive gets hit by a truck? How are you going to be able to help people? How's your company going to know what to do? It's not written on paper. So one of the powerful things about planning and implementation, Jess, is writing it on paper. Magical things happen. So I'll give you a quick example. Back in the, uh, I believe it was in the, the uh, 50s or 60s, they tracked uh, 500 Harvard graduates. You may have heard this story before. They tracked them over a 20-year period, and 3% were wildly successful, maybe 100 times more successful than the other 97%. But they couldn't find the correlation between why those 3% were any different than the 97 they looked at gender, socioeconomic upbringing. Uh, they looked at subject matter, you know, what, what was the academics that the people were taking. They looked at the different fields that the people went in. There was no correlation at all. They couldn't find anything even subjectively. But as the study went on for 20 years, they finally came across something that made the difference and that was that the 3% had written goals when they graduated and the 97% didn't. Mm. That was the only thing that they could correlate that was different between the two groups. 
And I thought, Larry, don't forget this. <laughs> having written goals, having a written plan makes all the difference. Yeah. So one example of that is I had a contractor. They were a school renovation contractor doing small renovations in Dallas, Fort Worth. They had never done a ground up school. And I said to them, write it down. Write down the fact that we're going to do a ground up school in the next five years. And they're like, it's not, we don't even think it's possible. I said, write it down. Within five years, they had a brand new ground up school that they were doing. Another client of mine in Cleveland, I had them write down, you want to get into the tilled up business, write down that you're going to do a tilled up concrete building. But Larry, that could take years. I said, I'll get you in the network that does tilled up. It's not going to take years. (laughs) I also told them in five years from now, you're going to do a project that's larger than your annual volume. And they laughed. They said, there is no way. Five years later, they were doing 10 million at that time. We set a five-year goal to do 20 million. And uh, five years later, they got a $15 million tilled up concrete project. Their first one ever. I think it ended up being 18 million with change orders. And he came to me five, you know, after five years, he said, how did you know? How did you know we'd get a project larger than our annual volume? And it was even tilled up. I said, there's just something powerful about writing it down. It just, it just materializes in the universe. And uh, so I've seen this time and time again, just like the Harvard graduates, that 3% weren't any better than the other 97% in any way, except they were smart enough to write down their goals. So strategic planning is looking at a chessboard and saying, all right, I need to capture the other king, put him in checkmate. What are the best moves right now that I can make to do that in as few moves as possible? And so when I taught my children to play chess and they would move a piece, I said, why are you moving that? I don't know, Dad. I said, then don't move it. Only move it when you know why you're trying to move it. What space are you attacking so you can hurt me? So they started learning. And my younger son is now a better chess player than I am. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, so you're always attacking in chess. Even when you're defending yourself, you're attacking. So you're always making moves strategically to win. So the game is to win in your business And the second thing I want to say is you got to figure out what you're the best at, what really distinguishes you. At NYU, we call that what's your distinctive competence or your distinctive advantage. Later, it was called differentiation. What differentiates you from other companies? So I help the companies figure out what they're really good at, but their competitors, any or all of their competitors are not as good as they are. And that's strategically where you want to focus your limited time and your limited resources. So Jess, that's a little, that's a pretty quick overview of strategic planning and uh, how I've helped companies grow over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I like the the idea of the kind of the North star you said, you know, kind of keeping focused on that's how, you know, if you get lost as you look, okay, where did that North star go? And then, then you can write on it. So we've got a, a big issue in the construction industry, and that is we like to run around like chickens with their head cut off. And we think if we're really busy and we're putting out fires all day, 
hey, that's what we do in our industry. We're general contractors. I call that tyranny of the urgent. And what that means is you're always putting out fires. You're always busy. You're always working in your business, but you're not working on your business. You're not doing what's important for your business. You're doing what's urgent for your business. So I have to teach the CEO, president, owner, and his key leaders. I have to teach them, this is what's important for your business. And here's how I do it, okay? I give a homework assignment to the leader team and all the employees of the company, and I have them list all the strategic issues that they feel are affecting their business. Okay. It generally generates about 50 to 100 issues. Then I take those issues and I present them to the leader team in categories. And usually in about an hour or two facilitation, we shortlist it to their top three issues. Okay. It's not really easy to do, but I'm pretty good at it. I know how to get it. I start making them vote and have you know very clear discussions and keep them from going on tangents and stuff. But once we have the top three issues, we come back again and reword the issues in a way that really captures the essence of, you know, these are our most important issues for the next 12 years. These are our top moves on the chessboard to win. And I call that changing the status quo of your company. Instead of just doing business as usual, tyranny of the urgent, we're actually working on growing our company. So if you would like, I'll give you a couple examples of how that works. Hey, everybody, Jess here. What if I could help your company find over $100,000 in hidden revenue streams in less than an hour without spending an extra dime on advertising or marketing? Reach out to me at cardzap.thebumpcard.me. Check out the video on Five Steps to Profit and also reach out and we can have a conversation. Thank you. Absolutely. That sounds great. So 11 years ago, I went to work with Dallas-Fort Worth, a small school contractor. They did renovations. They had seven employees, and they were landlocked in this little airplane hangar where their office was. They couldn't add one person. So in our first meeting, I identified, I said, one of the top activities that you have to do to grow in the way you want to grow, because you're saying you don't have all the right people, which I agree with, is you need to get a new office. How can you hire people if you have no place to put them? This was way before the days of COVID when people were working from home. So 30 days later, the president owner of the company went out and purchased a brand new office that existed. He ended up renting the first floor and having the second floor, which was three times bigger than his current office. And I said, man, this guy is taking this plan seriously. He went out and made this thing happen. Then he, he kind of struggled with all the duties he was doing as a small company because general contractors wear so many hats like any small business person right. that he wasn't being effective at any one function of his company. And I said, Guy, you're the chief estimator and bottle washer and cook in your company. These young people know software in construction estimating And they will be bidding three times what you're bidding right now. Not because you're bad at estimating, but that's all they do all day, 50 hours a week, is estimate. And they're so good at it 
and they have such a good handle on the numbers that they'll make you more competitive. They'll get a feel for the market. He said, Larry, I don't have a time to do all that. I said, that's why you're bidding these school renovations and you're limited in your growth. So after two years, I talked him into hiring an estimator and it was just like straight up. Mm. We had set a goal to go from 3 million to I think the first five-year goal, I think we said 40 million if I'm not mistaken. And at the end of the five years, we were right at 40 million. And we set another five-year goal to go to 80, 85 million. Mm. And at the 10-year mark, they were doing 75 million a year. So they had grown 25 times their size in 10 years. But what happened is every year we kept bringing forward the top three things they needed to focus on for the strength they had as a company. One of the things we did was keep them from trying to diversify because this GC owner was entrepreneurial. He wanted to do everything, but his sons were wise and along with me persuaded him, keep focusing on what your strength is. Don't worry about being five other things that you're not really strong at because you've never done it before. So here we are 11 years later. Now they're still primarily uh, a school contractor, but they've gotten into other delivery methods like construction management, other than just what they were doing. They had never done what's called construction management or CM for short. They had never done a project like that. Once again, we wrote it down five years into our planning. They got their first CM job. This year, they got a $25 million construction management job. And last year, they built a brand new 25,000 square foot office. I mean, Jess, I was in tears when I went to this office. I felt like I was a grandfather of this business. But I'm a very close friend to uh, the man and his sons. He's almost 70 years old now. And, you know, they were just scrimping to get by 11 years ago. Now they're very wealthy. They're investing in development, which was one of his visions for the future. He's got several office complexes that he owns. He wants to buy land and build a multi-purpose uh, residential development. The sky's the limit. They've got a lot. They've you know, got millions of dollars in the bank. And uh, everything that we dreamed 11 years ago came true. And I'm still doing strategic planning with them 11 years later. So oh, I thought I'd bounce that back to you for your input and yeah. questions on that. Well, that's, that's great. So how did you, uh, how did you rein him in? Cause you know, um, as a entrepreneur myself, I have that same problem. Um, was there any tips that you kind of, you know, led him to, to say, make sure he stayed focused? Well, when he said, I want to get into government work, I said, you know, there's a learning curve. Get in the government work, you got to have a full-time person. Well, he's never hired someone. So I said, until you're willing to hire someone, let's not make it part of the plan because you're not going to implement it. And we always try to implement 50 to 90% of everything that we set out to do. After I'm done the plan, I have a sheet at the back that's called implementation matrix. Okay. And it has who is the champion of this issue? What are the, all the activities to accomplish to do that issue? When do you start? When do you stop that task? What's the budget consideration? So as we went through the process, he started seeing if any or all of his competitors were better at something than he was, then why strategically are we pursuing it? It kept him in school contracting. 
Okay. Now we admitted that we weren't as good at construction management, but we said, let's learn it over a period of years and hire people who know about construction management so that we can be at least as strong as our competitors. Mm -hmm. So as we move toward that over a period of time, we gain confidence. There's also a trade association and certifications in doing construction management. It's a whole development uh, delivery system by itself. Okay. So, you know, these things take time. This is, this is not a get rich quick scheme. This is something you have to stay at and work on your business. What's important to change the status quo and focus your time each day on what's important. And if you try to do more than three things, you're going to fail because you can't do more than three things successfully in a 12 month period. I've tried to do four and five issues. One of them, they don't do anything. The fourth one, they usually dabble at and it usually comes down to there's three that they can get serious attention on. So I don't let my clients do more than three issues because I've learned that it's going to fail. The other thing that they have to do is have a lot of momentum with their implementation. The first four months are going to determine whether they succeed or fail. So if they've never done strategic planning, I say, you can hire me for the first phase to develop the plan. But since you've never done this before, you have to bring me every month back to your company for the first year. If you're not willing to do that, hire someone else. And they say, why? You're going to make $20,000 doing this in 45 days. I say, it's great money. But at the end of the 45 days, when you don't implement the plan, are you going to write me a rave testimonial? No, you're going to say it was a sexy, glitzy plan, but Larry didn't help us implement it and we fell flat on our face. I don't want that recommendation or I don't want that out on social media. And I said, that's what's going to happen because every company I've ever helped that said, we got this, Larry, we'll implement this. There's never been one that's ever been successful. So I made it about 15 years ago. I made it mandatory that they bring me every month and I've had much better success. Matter of fact, the least result that I've ever had is 50% implementation. If there's less than that, I fire the client. I say, you're just wasting your money. Or I raise my price. That usually gets their attention also. But they've got to do something to take seriously that they've got to learn to implement. And it usually takes a company about two years to learn how to implement on their own. And then I feel like a proud stepfather. I've raised a company that's learned how to grow and they don't need me anymore except to be an outside facilitator and kind of keep an eye on them maybe once a quarter or something like that. Yeah, that's power. That's powerful uh, about how you uh, uh, just, you know, keep them in line and, and, and stay with them and kind of do that follow-up so that they get the implementation in, in tact. So that's, uh, that's, I think, a powerful piece there. So, um, Thank you. so would you recommend um, that kind of um, any company has some sort of, um, Oh, I don't know what you call it, like a, like a follow-up process uh, in place. Yeah, but most companies don't know how to implement, and that's the problem. I, I'll tell you right now how counterintuitive this process is. So left to themselves, they have a plan, sexy 15 to 20-page written plan, and maybe even that implementation matrix that tells them exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. And they even say, we're going to split this amongst us, our team, we're going to have champions, And each champion, get people in the company as a task force or a committee to help you. 
Okay. So what do they do? They say, all right, I've got a marketing task here. We've got to develop an external e-newsletter that we're going to send out once a month. And they get the, the marketing director and they get, you know, another, a couple other key leaders and they say, we want to meet next Friday to look at our plan and figure out together how we're going to do this. So they meet together and they try to work on it. And, you know, they have some good ideas. They meet a second week, a third week, a fourth week, and they keep bouncing these ideas around, but they don't really make a decision on how to move forward. And ultimately they're frustrated because the champion leading the, the task force doesn't know how to implement. And they're doing exactly the opposite of what they should be doing. What they should be doing is saying, all right, here is the action steps that our task force is going to take. Before we meet, I'm giving each one of you a homework assignment. You're working on this step. John, you're working on this step. Shirley, you're working on this step. I want you to create an action plan and an outline for how you're going to implement this one step of the plan for marketing and this newsletter. I'm giving you a week. In a week, I want to see what you come up with. Now, when you meet, everybody's handing in their assignment. And now the team reviews the assignment. You give feedback to each person and say, all right, you're on the right track, but let's correct your, give you a mid-course correction here. Instead of what you were thinking, do this. And you got a week to work on that and bring it back. So every week you're giving them an assignment. Every week you're reviewing the assignment and that will move you forward to be successful. What you're teaching them to do is how to implement outside of the meeting. You don't do any work except review and giving you know, recommendations and then delegating for the next meeting. If you don't delegate, they're not going to do anything and they're going to think they're doing the work in the meeting. So implementing is very counterintuitive mm. to the way people think it should be done. Okay. What you're trying to do is get your people to work on the business outside of any meeting on their own and then come and they're held accountable by a weekly meeting. Gotcha. Now they realize how serious nobody wants to show up to this meeting and have done nothing. All right. That's a dud employee. They're never going to be a leader if they do that. So it also, this whole process shows you who the rising stars and the managers rising up because they'll do well at strategic planning and they'll do well at implementing. And that's how you grow your company from the inside out by learning how to implement and grow based on what's important every day in your company. Okay. So, um, so yeah, obviously implementation is important, but that accountability piece is really kind of what sets it apart is that, that little bit, I know, uh, yeah, I'd be really embarrassed to walk in and go, Oh yeah, I didn't do my homework, you know, or whatever. So, yeah. And I show up once a month. They don't know if I'm going to, they're on the task force. I sit in on every task force and then the team sits together for two hours and we review like a project manager, what percentage are you complete of this and this and this. And every month we move the percentages forward like a project manager. And I'm like, what if you were building a construction project and you were at 5% when you, your schedule says you should be at 20%? Mm. You'd be yelling your head off and firing subs right and left. Yeah. This is the same thing. By four months, you should be at 50%. And then the next 50% for the remainder of the year, keep moving forward. 
This is not a checklist that you get something done and that's it. It's something that has to keep changing and growing over time so that by the second year, you're not even the same company anymore. And even the issues you need to grow the next year are totally different. So this is just, it's a real paradigm shift. Most people, even successful business people, don't understand the principles that I'm sharing in this call. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's totally true. Um, it's from my experience as well, just, um, uh, you know, yeah, lack of accountability. And, uh, and I think sometimes you need, I think you need that outside, like kind of like what you do, you need that outside eyes to kind of see from, you know, the bird's eye perspective of the whole project and the chessboard, like you talked about earlier, you know, yes. why are these pieces moving here? And, what's the end goal so i think that's pretty awesome so well good i want to um thank you so much uh for uh, for talking with us today and, and any last um just like a quick tip or something you have uh maybe for uh uh to help uh, a company boost their revenue well i like the idea of using an outside facilitator and a coach and a consultant we all need help i do i i just invested in a program where i'm going to focus my marketing efforts through webinars. And I've always got most of my clients through webinars and face-to-face uh, -face seminars, but right now face-to-face -face isn't happening. Yeah. But here's the thing, hire a coach or consultant who you get along with, who you feel comfortable with. And after sharing about the business, they get it and bring them to your business, have them meet your people. It's not the coach and the facilitator and the consultant's job to tell you what to do. You're looking for all these recommendations. What I do is facilitate a process that brings forward the right answers through them, not me. I could tell them, you know, do these 10 things and call me in the morning. But that's not my job. It's not my job to tell them what to do. It's to take them through a process so everybody buys in and has ownership. And I stay out of the way. If they're really going down the wrong track, I say, all right, I'm taking off my facilitator hat. I'm putting on my consultant hat. My history nationally with that issue is you're taking a great risk by doing that. And here's why. If I can steer you away from that, unless you want to do it this way, then you have a better chance. All right. Now my facilitator hat's back on. Let's talk about this as a team. What do you guys think? How do you think we should approach it? But I'm kind of steering them away from like a, you know, walking over the plank of a ship into the ocean. Right. Wow. Perfect. Yeah. That that's, uh, that's great advice. And I think, I think uh, um, a ton of people are going to learn from that because that's, I think that's a big struggle for a lot of companies is, um, you know, keeping things moving on track and, and not being a task master, like you said, but, um, or you didn't say that, but that's my way to word it, but yeah. instead of assigning tasks and, you know, you know, you're naughty if you don't get it done, but you're actually creating that buy-in that, that everybody's moving, you know, like a team. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jess, yep. for this time today. I hope it helps some companies. Yes, absolutely. And thanks everybody for listening. Please like, share, and uh, leave some reviews and we'll see you on the next show. Thanks.